on you. We're not doing a "Hey, this is Brett and I'm Christian" thing. <laughs> oh, we do do that first, don't we? I mixed up because I just edited, and that that's the intro. There it yeah. is, folks. Hey, okay. here we are. Welcome Perfect. everybody to the podcast. I'm your host, Christian. As they're probably like, oh, they're changing up the format finally. Wonderful. That's how our viewers talk. Anyway, hello everybody. It's me, Christian. I'm here as well as Brett. And we have a, one of our special episodes. We like doing this every year, but it is our top new discoveries of 2022. Um, seemed like a Big old year for us to watch new movies, as always. Um, I have a lot of really good ones, actually. I kind of had a hard time narrowing mine down, so we'll see what mine are here in a bit. I don't know about you, Brett. How was your year of movie watching? It was really great. Uh, obviously, we watched a lot for the podcasts, um, a lot for the current year, but then some here and there that were just we, we watch for fun because we love movies. So I'm really excited, too. So here today we have two special guests. Our first one is a regular to our podcast. It is Toby. Hello, Toby. Um, hello. I definitely had a good year watching movies, so looking forward to talking about them. Thank you. And also with us is, of course, another friend to the pod. Friend slash enemy. Maybe love. <laughs> we don't know. It is the one, the only, straight out of the uh, COVID super spreader that was the Golden Globe Awards. It's say hello. <laughs> uh, hello, it is I, the nemesis of Gilded Films. Um, I would just like to say, Christian said we do this every year. We we did it for the first time last year. Um, <laughs> really? Shut we up. did. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> it was a long year. <laughs> and it was my idea, not credited to me, but that's fine. Oh, okay. Again, I never. That's right. <laughs> This seems like a bad idea. I don't know. You you teach you teach children. Your mind is given <laughs> yeah. to many. <laughs> um, but yes, I'm happy to be here once again. It feels like it's been a while since we've like spoken to you. So both of you actually. So true. Yeah, we're just coming back from kind of the long holiday season, jumping into 2023, and yeah, this is always a fun one. So. Awesome. Well, we can jump right in. Are we all ready to go ahead and start counting down? Yeah. Perfect. Um, so as those of you who've listened last year know, this is our, our top discovery. So we're not necessarily talking about movies that came out this year or anything like that. Movies from previous years that we loved. And so I don't know. I know sometimes we all have our different like criteria and whatnot. So feel free to share that if you have any. But otherwise, Christian, let's go ahead and have you kick us off with your number five. Okay, so this, like I said, this is pretty hard because on Letterboxd, you can find my list and it's more chronological than anything. So I had to rate, rank these in like, it's more so what I've remembered the most and what stuck with me this year. So I do have, can I say like one honorable mention or are we going to do that for later? We're going to do honorable mentions later, but if you have one that was like super close and you want to mention it now, go ahead. Okay, so I'll mention it now and then I can talk about it later. But my super like almost there was a movie called White Men Can't Jump with Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson. But my number five, which I'll talk about right now, is a movie called Kindergarten Cop, directed by Ivan Reitman from 1990, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, this one stayed with me because I watched it January 10th of last year. And it was right, like, literally when I started student teaching. And now, as we all know, I am a fifth grade teacher. 
So I'm teaching elementary school. Oh, first of all, was this on anybody's list? Um, it no. was on my like top of the year. It was like not like near the top, but it was like one of the okay. So you fifth, and you, one of the fifth top yeah, fifty, and you also saw with me too. Yeah, so and I also student taught, obviously. So yeah, I mean, so and I'm a teacher now, obviously. So this one stuck with me. It stuck with Toby of like what it's like to really be a first year teacher, even though Arnold Schwarzenegger is like a cop under disguise and trying to help out all these kids and it's it's hilarious i laughed again i watched this january 10th i started student teaching five days before that so only having five days of experience with little children and the school system it was like it hit home on top of that started watching abbott elementary around this time mm -hmm. so it's a i think it's a great funny movie too even if you weren't in education and a teacher um this is the kind of era where arnold schwarzenegger is quote unquote top of his game i mean he has the terminator under his belt all of his going home movies but then he can just be like you know everyday undercover cop in i think it's oregon is where they're at in this having a good time he whips them kids into shape they're only kindergartners and it's just downright hilarious so it's a i, I mean if you just want to sit down and watch something funny it's great and it's also on let's see amazon it's on amazon prime to stream as well I mean, it was like the start of his comedy career, right? Like it's it started like everything else afterward. Yeah. So I think yeah, because most of the comedies that he's made is from like the '90s. So this is 1990. It's right there at the very beginning of it all. And then one year later, of course, he makes like T2 and amazing. Nice, nice cameo too from future. Hopefully, maybe Academy Award double there. Two of them nominee Angela Bassett in like one tiny little line roll but it's always nice to see her in something she has one line in this movie and that's it but it's like hey i know her nice <laughs> yeah i i saw this movie like years and years ago so i i honestly don't remember a ton of it but i i do recall enough that i thought it was very funny back when i watched it so and i think now having the life that i have as a teacher and toby could probably say the same thing here this movie resonates with us a lot mm -hmm. Because you'll have these days where it's like, oh, my gosh, I got to get these kids in order and everything. And then suddenly we both talk a lot about um, just like, obviously, what is it? What's the word I'm looking for? Where they constantly do something, the same thing all the time. And we're just basically noticing it. Like if, oh. I, if I basically say line up, they line up in a certain way. If I say be quiet, they be quiet in a certain way. They know my phrase now. When we hear whatever's for lunch, I they all say straight from the freezer and into the fryer, Mr. Ramos. Oh, it's like it's like consistency. Consistency. Yeah. 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 Like, like this um in this movie, he's kind of like that um strict like military, yeah. like military kind of thing. And and it's like no exaggeration. Like literally you have to like condition these it's conditioning. Yeah, like conditioning kids to do what you want them to do. And it's so it's so it, condition yeah. your hair, so, condition these kids. You haven't seen the movie. <laughs> We just started to te teaching, but I mean, it's just like hilarious that it's so true. That makes That's sense. No exaggeration. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I've seen too many of his other comedies where I was like, maybe I can skip that one, but I'm sure I'll watch it one day. Get I'm to the also, chat. <laughs> also, Twins was his first comedy. Oh my God. The Danny oh. DeVito one? Yeah. I've There's, aren't they doing a sequel to that this coming year or something? I'm pretty sure I heard about that. I think but... there's been like a rumored sequel for years. That makes sense. Oh, 
It was announced filming will commence in January 2022. Oh. Oh. Um, Reitman was supposed to direct it. So. Oh. Isn't he dead? Yeah, that's why. Oh. Okay. Because he was supposed to direct it, and then, yeah, once he died, they were like, well. JK. Nobody knows what's going to happen with the movie now. Okay. Interesting. His love child was on Dancing with the Stars. Not a joke, just a fact. <laughs> okay. Toby, what do you got for your number five? Okay. So oh, I guess I'm done. Nice to talk. <laughs> I, I, I thought you said that's all earlier. So he did. That's all, folks. All okay, right. Toby, go. All right. So it's uh, funny that you mentioned Angela Bassett because I'm going to go from my movie also has Angela Bassett in it. It is um, 2006, Aquila and the Bee. Um, that is the one that I picked for my number five. It also stars Kiki Palmer as the titular Aquila, and it has Lawrence Fishburne. Um, so it's just like this movie where Aquila is really good at spelling. She wants to go to the National Spelling Bee. Her mom, who is Angela Bassett, doesn't want her to. But she finds Lawrence Fishburne, who's um, Dr. Larrabee, who teaches her um, how the spelling bee works and uh, tutors her on the spelling bee. And it's just this really, like, kind of underdog story about how overcoming obstacles, um, about overcoming obstacles and doing things that are difficult um, there's one part in the movie where she um, is getting help from the whole neighborhood for her spelling bee. And I really like how it um, kind of shows uh, how community can come together to help um, everybody in the community um, reach new heights. And it's just like this really inspiring story about a spelling bee, but it's really awesome. And Kiki is um, young in it, obviously. And she's a um, nope this year, so it's kind of cool to see her at such a young age. Notice you have both our number five movies are, like, educational, too. Because a, oh, yes. yeah, a lot of it is her in school, too. I will say, we watched, because we watched this um, the night of the actual U.S. script National Spelling Bee. Let me tell you what. Those little kids can spell. It was down <laughs> The final two, and I, woo, I tell you what, not to have this be the Christian show, but it is. I <laughs> have a student in my class who is in the spelling bee for school, and so far I and her, but you know, whatever, are in the lead because she only missed one spelling word yesterday for like the first qualifying round and or like Ooh. the main thing. I don't know, but I only make winners. So there you go. <laughs> and she only had like a day and a half to study. So because I didn't know it was yet. I didn't know it was yesterday. <sighs> no, that's, that's, I remember when that movie came out. I, I've never seen it, but it is kind of timely with Kiki Palmer and Angela Bassett both getting some much some well-deserved attention for the roles that they had this year. So that's awesome. Yes, definitely. I haven't seen it since middle school. We watched it before we did. We, I was in a spell team in middle school. Uh, we did not do well. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but yeah, they we just watched a Hello Pizza party before we went on to spell in the competition. Awesome. Spell onomatopoeia for us. <laughs> he said it didn't, don't do he said it didn't go well. To quote Easy A, we don't need that anymore. We have a spell check. Yeah. <laughs> it is streaming on Amazon Prime, by the way. Oh, awesome. Nice. Also here in Kansas City, it was turned into a play um, at one of our little local mm. theaters. Yeah. For cool. little, like a theater for uh, young children that they have. Nice. All right, Zay, I think we're ready for your number five. Oh, I didn't know I was part of this. All right, anything prepared? <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> Picture it. Oh, 1974. God. Director, Francis Ford Coppola. It is the conversation. That could have um, went one of two ways. You realize that, right? Yeah, I don't like the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, the conversation. Uh, I think this is the year I discovered that um, I really love the man whose name is slipping my mind. Oh my god. Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love Gene. Just edit that out. I love Gene Hackman. Like Oprah loves bread. I love Gene Hackman. Anyway, I don't know. It's just, I have a hard time finding masculine straight men actors to love post the golden age but who wow gene hackman <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me of the time when you kept saying um billy no, billy no. billy crystal holiday. But actually billy holiday oh no judy holiday <laughs> judy holiday, I kept yeah. billy holiday. anyway <laughs> Gene Hackman is so good in this movie about just this guy listening in on conversations and how it's his job and he's trying to do the right thing at the same time and then him doing the right thing gets him in even more trouble and it's just so tense and I got to see it in a theater and just be and it was like a really small theater and just like the claustrophobia of that added on to it it was delicious and it's just, it has a very 70s feel to it. Like, there's so many scenes in, like, crowds and stuff. And I love just seeing people walk by and all that. And that, that, that was distressing for me. But really, Gene Hackman, just in the middle of this movie, delivering just a man who is in the middle of it all. And could be killed at any moment. And he's just, uh, the final scene, insane insane oh so good um and harrison ford oh he's so sexy like evil oh boy uh like i was scared and horny <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's my number five the conversation um, I haven't seen it. That oh I'm gonna guess God. now that that's probably what? the one on your list that I have most. I would have been most likely to see, and I haven't. I so it's not looking good. This is a you movie. I know, Absolutely. and that's why I've been looking forward to it. We are doing 1974 this year, so coming up very soon. So I 100% will be watching this movie soon, and I fully expect to give it no lower than four and a half stars. Like everything I've heard about this movie just screams Brett movie. So yeah. Right. 
I mean, I've only seen it once ish. I don't remember the first time I saw it, but then I saw it again and I was like, yeah, this is great. Especially if you like the lives of others, because like similar situations there. Yeah. So, yeah, great movie. Yep, I have to agree. I mean, I've only seen it once, but like you said, um, the final scene. It's amazing. All right. Well, my number five is actually a documentary that I saw for the first time this year. Somewhat of an experimental documentary in a way. It's from 1995 and it's called Black is Black Ain't. Um, This is directed by Marlon Riggs, who did a lot of really great documentaries and kind of experimental type movies. Um, Actually, I I bought the Criterion box set of some of his films this last year um, and and checked some of them out. And this was, I, I love all of them. They're all like literally five star movies, but this one is really profound. Uh, they all are, but especially this one because it was made while he was battling AIDS. And he actually did, unfortunately, pass away while making the movie. Um, and the film, it's a film about basically um, the diversity within the black community and a number of participants talking about what it's like to what it means to be black to them and really capturing that black folks are not a monolith, um, which I think is something that's really important, um, especially today. And, and, you know, um, to hear all these people talk about their experiences and some of them talk about how they've been criticized for not being black enough. Some talk about how they've been criticized for being too black. And it's all just really fascinating and really well put together. But what really especially stands out for this movie for me is um, among the participants are Angela Davis, uh, Bell Hooks, who unfortunately passed away last, I think, December 2021. So it was really kind of profound to see her in this. But Marlon Riggs is very straightforward with the fact that he is battling AIDS at this time. Um, There are a lot of shots of the film where he is talking to the camera directly from his hospital bed. Um, And it's obviously very sad, um, but very powerful to see this man kind of reflect on his life and, you know, knowing that he is probably near the end of his life and knowing that he never got to see this film. It's really impactful in that way. Um, And of course, as with all his movies, he talks about um, being both black and gay and issues of homophobia and sexism within the black community And it's a topic that you can never comprehensively cover, but this movie does an exceptional job of it. Um, And I thought it was just outstanding. So Black is Black Ain't. I think it's available on Canopy, but if you are a Criterion collector, I I definitely recommend the box set. It's a very worthwhile purchase. The box set is good. I bought it. I think it's a complete work because he didn't have I think so too. Yeah. Um, But yes, I love this movie. It is would have been in the contention for like number one or number two of my 2020 watches but we didn't do an episode for that so but it's so good i i i went through a deep dive with this stuff in that year and yeah canopy sounds right that's where i watched it it's on canopy i haven't seen it either neither is toby but it's from 94 so Oh, nice. Oh, I thought it was 95 for some reason. It says 94 on the, the box of letters. Oh, okay. But Perfect. 94. Nice. 
which will be our upcoming episode. So thank you. We'll, we'll probably be talking about it again. <laughs> All right, Christian, let's hear your number four. All right. <clears throat> My number four is one that I watched actually. Um when I had surgery on my hand this past summer and there's one that I was just like, Oh, okay. You know what? I'm going to watch this. James Stewart is in it. James Stewart, whatever you want to call him. And it was on TCM and I ended up really, really, really liking it. It is called the Glenn Miller story from 1954 directed by Anthony Mann, who did a bunch of Westerns with James Stewart actually, but it is the, the um, story of Glenn Miller. So if anybody out there knows who that is, the big band musician, uh, what's more of his famous stuff, like uh, Moon Knight Serenade, and then the the ending music for The Shining. So if you're familiar with The Shining at all, it's like, do, 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 that stuff. Yeah. Nice. Um, and just about how he rose to fame and everything, and then his eventual death during World War II. Um, but no, it, I really liked it. I think James Stewart in this was amazing, um, as is June Allison, as his... Um, lady and then eventually his wife and that's that's pretty much it i think i was really there for the james uh the james uh, i'm just gonna call him jimmy whatever <laughs> the jimmy St it's not like he's alive <laughs> i don't know that that cricket in the puss in boots movie oh my god a lot like him i i, I don't know some of I us mean, have seen the masterpiece <laughs> that is the Puss in Boots movie. Okay, I'm going to see it when it starts getting lit. I don't want to be in an audience of children. Just <laughs> anyway, again. anyway, if you're like a Jimmy Stewart fan, like Brett, I know you are, and Zay, I know you are, this is a really good biopic. And especially, you know what I'm thinking of? There's, And I haven't seen it. Zay, I know you've seen it. There's one with Cary Grant where he's a musician. Oh, fucking sucks night and day exactly so i've not seen it but i know of it because of you not liking it this is one that i think you would actually like okay okay so actually i've seen it oh you've seen this oh i another movie i saw in middle school because we watched it in our general music class because we went over that period of music and then we watched the movie but i don't remember anything about it so this is the initiative to rewatch it at least and this is one of those biopics that honestly, I mean, it's from the 50s. It doesn't seem too beefed up with a lot of, you know, things that did not happen. It's pretty straight and to the point. And Glenn Miller himself didn't live past the 40s and everything. Great Golden Girls joke with that, where Dorothy was part of the search party for him. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I, really, I don't know. I like this. If it's ever again on TCM, I'll let y'all know. Because that's where I found it. And yeah good movie he did not toby did not unfortunately get to see this because again i was on bed rest from surgery and he went to work so yes unfortunately yeah i didn't catch it when we did that year either so that's another thing like i caught it after the fact oh yeah no because my gotcha. surgery because we did that jk guess i didn't watch it during surgery <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> the lies. How, I've never seen. Wait that. a minute. When did I? Oh, I, it was that one day of student teaching that they let me go home early. They didn't let him go home early. Oh. Oh, gotcha. Okay, okay. never mind. Surgery. Wow. I never had surgery. What are you all talking about? <laughs> I guess I have to cancel my investigative spinoff podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. 
nothing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Yeah, my, Toby, take us away with your number four. My there number was something. Four. There was something else. Okay, that's it. All right. <laughs> my number four is um, from 1997. It is the movie Fools Rush In. <laughs> Which is so funny! Because, yes, anyway, it's like a it's like a lower rated movie, but I ended up like really loving it. It was like one of those movies where, I mean, I do this, I think at least a couple times a year. I, I find these movies, we watch these movies that are like two point something on Letterboxd and I end up like loving them. Like Fool's Russian is, um, it's Matthew Perry and Selma Hayek. And um, <clears throat> so these two, they ended up, they end up um, having a one night stand and she gets pregnant, um, but she doesn't want to like tell her family that um, it was a one night stand. So she brings them home for, to meet them. Um, and they end up wanting to start a relationship and they end up getting married. And it's just this whole story about how um, like cultural differences and he wants to move back to New York, but she wants to stay in Nevada. I don't know. It was just like this, like movie that ended up being like captured me for some reason. And like the chemistry between Matthew Perry and Selma Hayek was like kind of unique and I don't know. Yeah. I just end up really liking it. And that has the song in it, Fool's Rush In, which they use really well. So it's I said it's funny to me because this is technically like one of my mom's favorite movies of all time. And so growing up, I had seen bits and pieces of it and everything. I had never seen it in full until we watched it together. And after all this time, I thought, it's good. Yeah. Here he is, like, stone-cold masterpiece of a film, if I ever seen one. And I'm like, plot, plot twist here, friends. But I also like it. And obviously, because I grew up technically with it, again, seeing the bits and pieces and knowing the general story. So it is very fun. Yeah. Um, so I'm, this is in one of those films on the list of like movies that I don't know anything about, but I know I've seen this cover or saw this cover like 50 times at the grocery store where we would rent movies. Right. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, looking at it, I'm like, Oh yeah, I've seen that cover a ton, but Interesting. At Matthew Perry, Psalm Hike, 1997. That's really interesting. So, yeah, like, definitely worth checking out. Not to like talk about something else, but like finding movies where you have like kind of pairings where you think the chemistry wouldn't be very good. Like you have Selma Hike and Matthew Perry. And from this year or last year, um, Owen Wilson and JLo, it was like, that was like to me, like amazing their chemistry. And actually, J-Lo was supposed to be in this one, um, which feels like a perfect J-Lo movie instead of Selma Hayek. I mean, that <sighs> almost all of her filmography, or not all of it, but a lot of her filmography is like these kind of movies. So it feels like something that she would have been like perfect in. I saw the trailer to Shotgun Wedding last night. That movie looks ridiculous. I I, I need to see it now. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that J-Lo... Listen, Hustlers was cute. It was a moment. Didn't get the nomination. I'm sorry, JLo. I'm glad she's going back to that B movie bullshit she was doing a few years ago. I need it. Marry me. I'm sorry. A masterpiece. Boy Next Door. That's a masterpiece. She got a first first edition of the Odyssey, of Holmes' Odyssey in that movie. First edition. If such a thing exists. (laughs) 
How would this happen? <laughs> oh, so good. Anyway, I have not seen this movie. I've seen it on the Goodwill shelf many a times. My... See? See, there you go. Yeah. My partner points it out and was like, yeah, I've seen that. Because they, they were a big Friends um, fanatic back in the day. And they just watched like all the Friends movies that came out. Mm-hmm. I was like... I just, you know, there's, movies, there's movies for friends. I didn't. <laughs> I've got sh- just the actors being like, "Hey, you're on Friends. Let's do a movie." <laughs> yeah, I just love when he, when we watch a movie and I'm not expecting a, a ton, and I just end up like being enamored with it. And the way it works is he has no reaction to it. It's either how was it? It's good, and then days later. <laughs> When he puts the letterbox review up and it's like five stars, am I like, what? That happened with your number one last year with a special day, if I remember correctly. The same thing. No reaction. Stone cold face. The boy could be the next Ebert without any reaction. We get the TV show. This was a stone cold masterpiece, everybody. I've never seen anything like it. I love it. That's awesome. Gotta let it marinate sometimes. Yeah, yeah, true. And I'm a person who's like, either I liked it or I didn't. The second I see it, or (laughs) second a movie comes up with like the end credits at the beginning, and I'm like, I'm out. I'm on out. I don't know what the hell's happening. And not to shade any movies that start with the end credit sequence from the past year, but I don't go to the bathroom very much. I did in some movies. Anyway. That's neither here nor there, and for another podcast. <laughs> Sometimes I think I like Tar more just to spite you. <laughs> oh, is that what I was saying? Honestly, what I meant. Zayla, to your number four. Oh, um, my number four. It is a well connecting to Brett's earlier film. Um, my film is. A documentary from 1989 called Common Threads, um, directed by Rob Epstein and Jeffrey Friedman. Um, and it's one of those documentaries I had always meant to get to, and I was like, it's good, it, it, it'll hurt me, I know, and it did. Um, and it's basically about this massive quilt they were making that was honoring every single person who had died of the AIDS epidemic that was still raging and would be raging for quite a few years after this. Um, So I think that's what I found most interesting about it. It was the documentary happening as it was still going. People were so angry, people were so upset and they were just angry and mad at the politicians. I think it was like only a couple years before Ronald Reagan actually said the word AIDS on Mm. Mike before this and even though it had been going on throughout the entire decade and it's just it's one of those things where you're like yeah if you've seen AIDS footage and whatever you know things were happening at that time you get it but also it's just it goes into certain stories of certain people talking about their I don't know every time I come across a new AIDS documentary or a new AIDS narrative there's something different about each one and then just everyone's different experience with it. And yeah, I think the one that got me the most was the the mother who lost her child and then decided she was going to 
become an activist after her child passed away. And just seeing that was just very nice. I like that. But yeah, it's it's a heavy watch. I I think it's also on Canopy. God bless Canopy. I think that's Canopy. If you're looking for spot, if you're looking for like some advertising space, I think this podcast is it. Um, but yeah, so very good documentary by two of my favorite documentary documentary documentarians. Um, yeah, Common Threads. I have seen this, um, and it is great too. I like this. I mean, this would be a good double feature, obviously, with this and the Times of Harvey Milk and the Celluloid Closet, so a triple feature there um, from the same filmmakers as well. And it is on Canopy, and it is on Criterion Channel as well. Yeah, Shocker, I haven't seen it, but it sounds amazing. I had heard of it before because it, it, because it won the Oscar, um, which is really cool. But um, yeah, it sounds incredible, obviously. I have not seen it as well. All right. Well, my number four is from 1975, and it is Mirror uh, from Andre Tarkovsky. Um, <laughs> Christian's giving me a look. As listeners of the podcast may know, I've I've included a few Tarkovsky films, um, Ivan's Childhood and Solaris, on our, some of our previous episodes. And yet you've never picked one for me to watch at this point. Because I know you'll hate it. Like, I, I've been... As I've been praying, I'm like, like, but at the same time, I've never seen one of his movies. I, and I feel like the push would be if you gave me one and required it. This see, one, I this one sounds like a good plot. Yeah, the only one I've seen is Stalker, and Stalker is not a Christian movie. See, it, it's funny that you say about the plot because you read the INDB plot description, and it sounds like it's going to be a movie that has a plot, it doesn't really have much of a plot. Um, so see exactly um but yes the reason i watch this is because of those two other tarkovsky films i loved them a ton easy five stars and so i watched this one and once again it was a pretty easy five stars for me um there's a lot of movies that i've seen before where i see a lot of people describe them as like dreamlike or what it feels like to have dreams or memories and a lot of times I've never really clicked with that. This one, it really felt like that for me. Like this movie feels like how dreams feel or, or memories feel. Sometimes they, you remember them very distinctly and you can remember all the details. And sometimes they're very fleeting and they come and go really quickly um, with just the basics. And this film captured that for me. It is about a man who is basically on his deathbed we never see him, though we hear him speaking, we hear his dialogue, and he is just basically at the end of his life reflecting on his life up to that point, particularly um, pre-World War II, during the war, and just after World War II. So I think part of the reason I like it as well is not only is it about this character who Tarkovsky modeled after himself, but it's also kind of a uh, <laughs> low-key look into Russian history during World War II era from the eyes of common people who were struggling in Russia. Um, not much plot, not much dialogue, but the visuals are truly incredible. This is a movie that I would love to see in a theater because it kind of blew me away 
watching it at home. And so I can only imagine seeing it on the big screen and seeing those visuals really come to life in that way. It would be incredible. So yeah, um, this one is on the Criterion channel. It's in the Criterion collection. Um, obviously, I recommend it, but I, I also recognize it's not going to be for everybody, but I loved it. Just say it's not it. for me. <laughs> he did earlier. <laughs> I haven't um, seen it. I feel like I should have. I feel like I, I will. It'll come to me at a good time. Um, and I'll love it, and I'll talk to Brett about it. Yes. But the, other thing, but the other thing is, I do like the plot narratives of like, hey, I'm dying. Here's what my life was. Because sure, like, one it gives me favorite, vibes. Right. One of my favorite films in that subject is Wild Strawberries from who? Ingmar Bergman. So. See, and I. But obviously. I agree, for, but I also, yeah. Wild Strawberries, I also watched this year, very different movies. Like, right. It's, and it's I'm not expecting that. this. Because yeah. Wild Strawberries is, you know, it's a little bit fun and everything. Yeah, and it's yeah. not like, yeah. Um, but no, one day I will give him a shot at some sort of movie. I think you actually would like Ivan's Childhood. I, I would recommend that one to you. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I remember you watched it, this. Yeah, that one's, it's honestly probably my favorite of his. Of the three oh, it's only 95 so. minutes. Yes, that too. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, Christian, are you ready for your number three? Yes. Okay. Um, you can tell, uh, uh, listeners, you can tell the difference between all four of us. Well, Toby's similar to me in a lot of the things he picks, but I mean, you two, documentaries and movies from around the world. Goodness gracious. Well, mine is a, it's a Clint Eastwood feature. It's not with him in it. It's a directed one. It is Changeling with everybody's fave, Angelina Jolie. Okay. So I had seen this technically as a kid when it first came out. So I'm counting it still as new because I remembered nothing about it except for the basic plot line. But it very much had me on the edge of my seat with her performance, with what the hell was happening. As I was watching it, I was reading up like the real story and everything. But it is about a mother, Christine Collins, in the early... No, it's not early. It's late 20s, early 30s. Um, her son is kidnapped and years go by. Obviously, all hope is lost. It's the 30s. It's not, we don't have like the modern technology as we do today to help find children, but they find her son. But it turns out that it may or may not be her son. There's a lot of suspicion. She's not sure because it's been so long. She doesn't have that fond memory anymore. This boy claims it. There's some differences from what she can recall from her son and everything. Um, and then a lot, I won't spoil it because it's a great film, I think. A lot of shit goes down with how corrupt the system is and the police system, especially in Los Angeles at this time. Um, and when she goes to them for the help she wants of this is not my son, a lot of shit transpires. And this is a true story as well. Um I would definitely, definitely watch this. It is not, I don't think Clint Eastwood movies are weird because either they're eh for me or they're like incredible, amazing, whatever. And a lot of them like this, even Bridges of Madison County, do not feel like Clint Eastwood movies at all. I think this is remarkable. Angelina Jolie is incredible in this. John Malkovich is in it in a supporting role um, as one of the people who try and help her. And try to, of course, fight the system of the Los Angeles Police Department. But 
Overall, incredible, incredible movie. It's not streaming anywhere, according to my letterbox. The last time we saw it was, I think, HBO Max. So more than likely, it's going to be on HBO at some it's point. It's also available on every Goodwill show. And available every on every single Goodwill, Goodwill show. show. I have never they not know. seen the Changeling. They, it's just Changeling. Whatever. I'm the, sorry. The, cha- the Changeling is a horror movie for babies. Thank I'm you. Sorry. That one word changes it all, baby. <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's that um again incredible incredible film and oh there's emails oh angelina's emailed me she said thank you christian god bless you um but uh, she was nominated right yes i, I was just looking at yeah she's yeah. nominated for this yes. so yeah. i also really enjoy this one it's angelina um in a good role and it's a really compelling story i feel like about like you said corruption it's a good mystery. And it's also sad. It's very sad at what happens. But again, no spoilers. I know it's been out for a while, but it's one that's, it's shocking. And a lot of people who like true crime movies will definitely like this. You should assign this one to me one of these months because I have not seen it, but it sounds incredible. It sounds like something I would love. Right, so that's a good option for the future. <laughs> there's your there's your yeah. pick from Toby, January. Go. There we go. I haven't seen it in a very long time. I like way at the beginning when I first started actually using Letterbox. I remember, um, I remember liking it. I don't remember much else. But Do I will you... say, sometimes Clint Eastwood movies. I feel like Clint Eastwood movies are good. We like the Mule around here. Remember when we jumped down Brett's we do. throat? <laughs> and I like the the Mule too. So I wasn't expecting it, but that's a I nice. How about Richard Jewell? Never seen it. <laughs> I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that good. But... I'm sorry, Kathy, but no, I haven't I'm seen dead. it. Kathy, we were just talking about J-Lo. Well, didn't she get nominated? Yes. So... Yeah, see, yeah. Yeah, J-Lo's true. J-Lo is our word of the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Toby, let's hear your number three. Oh, yes. Um... My number three, we're going back over 100 years ago. I, from my number three, I picked The Kid. I want to pause um, you right there. To think that The Kid, directed by... Charlie Chaplin. Is over 100 years old is crazy to me. Yes, it, it really is. hundred, like Literally 100 this year. It's like... But yeah. Um, so yeah, I picked The Kid. Um, it's a real... It's, Charlie, it's a Charlie Chaplin movie, so the plot is a little bit... On the simple side, um, it's about a tramp who finds a boy, a kid that um, got abandoned by his mother. Um, he raises the boy till about five years old. Um, there's some hilarity that ensues with him and the boy. They uh, kind of turn tricks and to get to live and to get money and to get food. Um, they don't have a lot of money, but they have a lot of love between them. Um, the mother comes back eventually. Um the kid is played by Jackie Coogan, who would later um, be uh, in the Adams Family as uh, Uncle Fester, like the original show, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it's just a really fun, and it's kind of like the best that movie movies have to offer. I feel like like it's a real simple story. The performances are great. Um, it has comedy, it has and comedy, it has drama, it has. Everything you could ask for, 
and it's over 100 years old. So it's like just awesome. She agrees with us. The dog barked. Yep. Oh, yes. I was she like, applause that take. The thing of it is, too, is like you read a lot of things about this and how Jackie Coogan will sometimes overshadow Chaplin in this, especially in like the emotional devastating parts. Because, again, mm -hmm. as Chaplin is known for comedy, there's a lot. There's like the big devastating moment in all of this. Um, and again, this is 100 years old, but I don't want to spoil it because it's a really good it's, child. It's, it's a really great. good child performance. And him, he also got a lot of laws um, because his parents spent most of the money that he got from um, basically his childhood, but basically his childhood in, in making movies. So he got a lot of laws started um, oh, because yeah. of him about parents taking their kids money from kids are like movies and stuff. So. Yeah, 1921. Yeah. Yeah. It's an all timer. And yeah, my take was what, what you said, Christian. It's, I think the only Chaplin film I've personally seen where like there's a performance that truly rivals him in, in Jackie yes. Coogan. Um, so yeah, I agree with that completely. Also in agreement. I have nothing else to add. It's good. Very good. Is it streaming? Mm, I, I mean, it's on YouTube. It's probably like. True. Public domain. You can probably go to the. Oh, it's on everything. Criterion, HBO, Pluto, Paramount. Yeah. Nice. Not, hey. not to be confused with the 2000s Bruce Willis <laughs> film. <laughs> and on Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. You can watch it on Wikipedia if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zay, let's hear your number three. My number three. Now we are going to the country of Japan. I have mentioned this film on, I think it was the last, last episode I was on 1987, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't, I talked about this movie. It wasn't one of our featured films. So I'm bringing it up now. Um, it's Hachiko, directed by Seijiro Koyama. Um, it's uh, based on a true story about a little dog. Um, What's well, the breed? Akita. It's an Akita, which um, a very rare dog. There's like, I looked into it, there's like different breeds of Akita, but like a true Akita, very rare breed of dog. Um, but it's about this dog who lives with his family, becomes very attached to the uh, patriarch of the family. And one day the patriarch just does not come home. And the dog is like, what the fuck? I love this man. Where did he go? And suddenly the dog is basically a man without a country, kind of um, just like walking around. Everyone's like, he's not coming back. And the dog's like, well, I don't know what that means. So I'm going to stay here just in case. And it's just, I don't know. I love animal movies. Animal movies are just like my weakness. And this film like, I, I'll give a bias to an animal movie just for being an animal movie, but this one actually feels like legitimately, like, really well-made film. It was the number one film of Japan that year because it's just a beloved story there, just about the loyalness of someone's dog um, waiting for uh, a man who'll never come home. And it's just, oh, just really touching. I'm getting caught up. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, uh, but anyway, yeah, based on a true story, 
uh, they even built a statue to that dog after he passed away in by the subway station. Hmm. Um, is it Richard Gere? Is remade later with Richard Gere? Yes. Is this not the Richard Gere movie? No. <laughs> Well, I we should talk about because we tend to love dog movies. I mean, we love Benji, we love Homeward Bound. Um, yeah, it sounds really. <laughs> I don't remember what. It's definitely not on streaming, unfortunately. I also, just what you were talking about. It reminds me of that Futurama. Oh yeah. Thing. Episode. Episode. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I haven't seen this one, obviously, but I, I do remember you talking about it during the 1987 episode, and it sounds like a bucket full of tears for sure. So, I found it. Oh, did I send it to you? <laughs> I found no, I found it, and like as Brett was talking, I found the. Oh, okay. It's on Facebook. I found it though. <laughs> oh, that's right. I watched it on Facebook. Now I don't know if there's subtitles, but you know. Oh, and okay. Oh, there's subtitles in another language. Oh, no. Oh, they, yeah. I think they didn't. Then. We will find it. We'll find it. I'll, I'll help you. Meaning you're going to find it for us. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, oh, my number. Sorry, I forgot. Um, Zay, you've had two back-to-back years of dog movies. What was that other one that you liked where the guy turns into a dog? Love on a leash. I'm on a leash. Okay, we need to see that one too. That is that scary. Bro, remembers that. Oh, I will not forget the title of that movie. Not that I've seen it, but just yeah. Okay then. There you You remember this? You were here for this one. Yes, I do remember that. I remember that poster. Yep. Okay, go. All right. Well, my number three is from 1995. And it is David Fincher seven. Um, yeah, v- very high on the list of like the oh, you hadn't seen that yet type of movies that I caught this year. Um, Haley and I were actually we were sitting down to watch a movie at one point, and she was going through Netflix and came on this one, and I was like, Yes, that one, let's watch it. And she's like, oh, Okay, it looks good. Um, and we both loved it. Um, it's the for those who haven't seen it, the story of two detectives, uh, Morgan Freeman and unfortunately Brad Pitt. Uh, Morgan Freeman is like a week away from retirement, and Pitt's character is um, kind of a loose cannon, and they get wrapped up in a really extremely disturbing case of a serial killer who is murdering victims, aligning with the seven deadly sins, and so. Um, With each victim, he leaves whatever it might be. Um, The first one is gluttony, for example. He leaves that written, and the way that these people are killed is somehow related to that sin. Um, This movie is incredibly dark and grimy and twisted, and I kind of loved how it didn't hold up on any of that um, because it's not necessarily that the movie is violent. I think like there's only one or two scenes of actual violence in the movie, but we see the aftermath of all this and it's really disturbing. But most importantly, we see how it impacts these characters. Um, there's a point in the movie where there's a conversation between Morgan Freeman and um, Gwyneth Paltrow, who plays Pitt's wife in the movie that kind of sets the things in motion towards the ending and once you get to the ending and look back on it 
it's super impactful. Wish I could get go more into it, but this is one that I don't want to spoil. Um, even though it was spoiled for me years ago on Vine. Um, but the uh, the ending is incredibly shocking, as is the rest of the film. Um, Kevin Spacey is also unfortunately in this movie, uh, but he is incredibly disturbing as well. Um, you really think people aren't going to read the cast list? I'm back. <laughs> That's that's not the biggest spoiler in the movie by far. There are about three other things in the movie that I would much rather not spoil. But anyway, um, sorry if I spoiled for you that, that <laughs> Kevin Spacey is in the movie. Um, but it's great. It, it has that real Fincher touch. He these movies that he does like this and Gone Girl are among you know some of my favorite works of his, and it was you know just really awesome and really exciting to watch. So. And I don't yeah, think it's available to stream anymore. I think you have to rent it. It's not. Like yet, a, yet another title that you can find on every Goodwill show. How many Goodwills do you go to? I go to one. Like, I used to work in one. Oh. But yeah, I go like every now and again. I don't know. I pay attention to these things. Anyway. I haven't seen it in a very long time, though. I've seen seven a long time ago. The ending, the ending is a meme at this point. I don't know how anyone's not spoiled to this, but see, if yeah, you don't, I, if you don't know the ending, good on you. Imagine you hear the first time. I think so. Yeah, this is a good movie. I don't know. I remember when I first saw it. It was dark, and <laughs> <laughs> we just got back from Target, and I watched it, and then I went into Best Buy and I bought the DVD. <laughs> That's it. I don't know. It's a great movie. Not a joke, just a fact. All right, Christian, are we ready for your number two? Yeah. All right. I was looking because he was looking at my number two as well to read up on it. So it is one that we've actually talked about in depth. Actually, it's Empire of the Sun from 1987 from uh, my best friend, um, Steven Spielberg. So, yeah, we've talked in depth about it. Go listen to that episode from 87. But it is about Jamie Graham, who is played by Christian Bale as a child, teenager. And he is a British kid living in China at the time that Japan invades China. And he's taken to a POW camp, loses his family um, in the hustle and bustle of the British trying to get out of there before anything can happen. Um, he obviously he doesn't get into the camps just like right away. He goes about the country basically trying to find his family again and meet some unsavory characters um, life and death. And then again, POW camp. So seeing through the eyes of this kid and it's really a loss of innocence situation, which is Spielberg is known for and just the dramatic and ever changing emotions that this kid can go through and the things he sees. And, you know, it's a great film. It was one that I was completely blown away by. Um, especially the performance from Christian Bale. He's a kid in this. And it, I mean, it automatically shot up to like my top five of that year when I saw this. He became my personal actor winner for 87. It's great. I don't know what else to say about it. And it's one that in all honesty to me and looking back at it and really looking at the Spielberg movies with Spielberg being in such like a lot of news now, with the Fablemans and just, you know, 
ET and Jurassic Park and Schindler's List and Raiders and everything else he's done. It's, I don't know. It's, ah, it's not, it doesn't feel very Spielberg-like in a lot of ways. And yet it is. And I think with now having seen the Fablemans and that like moment of realization that you're not a kid anymore, there's so much adult stuff in the world that you can see. And the second you do, you're a man, you're an adult. As this kid goes through, it's like incredible. And the score by John Williams, it's John Williams. It's fabulous. So I could talk all day about this, but again, just knocked it out of the park. Loved it. Go listen to that full episode in depth. Zay loved it. Brett loved it. Everybody loved it. We don't need to hear any contradictions. Moving on. There you go. It was fine. <laughs> no, I, I enjoyed it. I, I didn't love it as much as you did, but I, I do think it's one of Christian Bale's best performances. Yes. <laughs> good. Am I alone? It's a very good movie. Talk about a loss of innocence here. <laughs> Toby, let's hear your number two. Oh, wow. Just going straight for it. Right. There is a pause. Else need to be said. You have oh, a whole yeah. episode about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. So my number two is from 1993. It is the Joy Luck Club. Um, I don't know if we wanted to. You can, and then I'll be Okay. So the Joy Luck Club follows... I'm passing on this. Woo! <laughs> the Joy Luck Club follows... Um, a club formed by four Chinese women who are immigrated from China. Um, they meet weekly to play mo- mojong, mahjong. mahjong and talk. Um, one of their members dies um, and her daughter June joins the club in her place. But the movie kind of follows as the women tell their stories of um, the past. They share their um their story they each have separate individual stories about their past and how they um came to realize that they wanted to be in america um and they share those with their daughters so it's like a real um story about sharing with your mother it's like motherhood and family and um it's just like this really great ensemble of women who are just sharing their lives with their daughters um and june finds out that she has um long lost well yeah you find out at the beginning so she finds out that she has sisters still in china and she is about to go visit them and that's where like the structure of the movie comes from she's about to leave they go they throw her a party and they all share their stories um so each woman has like um like a younger version of themselves so there's like many good performances in this it's amazing that it took so long for uh, an all Asian cast. It, I think it's from like the Joy Luck Club to Crazy, Crazy Rich, Rich Asians. Asians that you get another one. And with this being so good, it's like, I don't know how it would have taken that long for something like that to happen again. Yeah, I just really was impressed with this one. The stories are great. And the performances are top notch. I will hold my thoughts. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but yeah, it, it sounds great. I, I had not heard of it until Christian told me about it th- earlier this year. So 
Wow. Yeah, I've heard, I've had heard of it, and I'm surprised I hadn't watched it until this, last year. Um, but yeah, I would definitely check it out. It's uh, quite good. It's in my watch list. I'll get to it. Yes, someday. I think it's on Netflix. I think that's what we watched. We watched it on Amazon. No, Amazon. Okay, mm-hmm. I thought it was on Netflix. Nice. You got Hoopla. Some of us don't get Hoopla. I don't know. <laughs> that's kind of surprising. What? All right, that your library doesn't do hoopla. They get canopy. Believe me, I checked last week. We don't get uh, hoopla. Hot. Yeah, some of us get both. Yeah, true. It can't <laughs> all be from the state of Mike Pence. God, his brother's running for governor again or something. Oh God! Yeah, I know. Anyway, Fred, is it my number two? Yeah, it's your number two. Go ahead. So my number two, I cheated, but it's fine. Um, because both of these films are going to be in I mean, number five. And I was like, well, they're both by the same director. So there's going to be number two. Because one of them, I don't even know how I'm going to talk about in depth. But they're both from Derek Jarman, uh, renowned queer director. And one is Blue from 1993. And the other is Edward II from 1991. Uh, Blue is... A, not necessarily is it a documentary? I can't call it. It's an experimental film where at this point in his life Derek Jarman was dying of AIDS and he was basically blind. He could only see things in different shades of blue. So the entire film is just different shades of blue. With him talking over it, some other people talking over it, his often collaborator Tilda Swinton is talking in parts of it basically him talking about his life and what he wanted to accomplish as an artist, as a man. Um, it's just very emotional. You have to get in like a very certain space to get into it because there's nothing happening on the screen except different shades of blue going through. While Edward II, based on the play, is v- like a lot of stuff is happening. It's very, and he like made it so that it was like the gay subtext of the play was put to the forward. And they had put in things like people having gay marches for rights and for AIDS. Uh, Annie Lennox comes in for a minute and does a music video. Love that. Uh, Tellus Wynn's also in it. And it's just very like, it's not a Shakespeare play, but it feels very much of the 90s Shakespeare boom of people just making movies out of Shakespeare plays, just and then him doing his own take on Edward II. And it's very good. There's gay sex in it. Um, has very interesting like um, set decorations that made me think of like something that would come later with like um, the Macbeth movie. I forgot the name of the Macbeth movie. Tragedy of Macbeth. Tragedy of Macbeth. Um, but yeah, very interesting set design where you're just like, this doesn't feel like a real place at any time, and I really like that as well. Um, but yeah, very gay. Derek Jarman, very gay. Yeah, I think I watched both of these on Canopy. 
Um, I'm looking up Edward II, and it actually does sound pretty good. The one that I'm looking at that it piqued my interest is called Jubilee. Have you seen that? Yes. Oh, exactly. yeah. There you are. Okay. I don't know. That plot sounds fun. Yeah. I almost, I almost watched Blue this year because I did like that experimental movie challenge, and that was one that I almost put as one of my things, but I picked another one. But now I'm, yeah, that sounds really interesting. They are, they do. Do, are they doing that again this year? Last I checked, no. But are they doing the film school rejects or dropout again? Uh, also, don't know. They did a 2022 one, but so I bet somebody took it over. Zay's uh, queer film challenge still lives on. Longer than I did it. <laughs> but, what, but what's more important is what, Brett? <laughs> of equal importance is that Christian's uh, classic Hollywood challenge still lives on to this day as well. It lives. <laughs> I, I commented on the list too. I said, oh, I'm so happy he still lives on and nobody responded back to me. So I was like, whatever. <laughs> They're like, get out of here, you deadbeat dad. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even do it. That's funny. All right. Well, my number two is actually one. So this year, um, we started doing a thing where uh, Christian, Toby, and Zay each assigned me one movie per month. Um, so far, I, I've most I've kept up. I've watched them all. Um, this is wait, one of those. Have you? You did not. You did not watch Treevenge. And you didn't. I did watch, too. I did. You didn't. Then watch why did you log it? I I log short films. I, I I don't know if I did. I put on. I don't put the date on my short films, so they don't show up on my diary. You but, did not watch Sudden Fear. Watched, so that's what? why I was like, oh shit! I didn't watch Sudden Fear. Whoops. Okay. Whoop. Mm. So I'm one film behind. My bad. Well, pretty good for me, honestly. Gotta admit. That is pretty good. Yeah. Okay. So, but this is one um from those. Uh was it Toby that picked Sudden Fear? I believe so. Okay. Well, this can be hopefully this is a bit of um a consolation for that because this is one that Toby picked for me to watch. It is Brokeback Mountain. Okay. Um oh. yeah. Somehow I had not seen this movie before. Um, it was every bit as good as I expected it to be and more. Um, it's a story of Ennis Del Mar and Jack Twist who work together, um, in Wyoming. They're cowboys. They are, um, herding sheep throughout a summer together, living in the mountains and they fall in love. Obviously being, uh, in Wyoming in the 1960s, um, that is not something that was socially accepted. And so they have to basically love each other in secret they go on to have separate lives, both marrying women, having kids, um, and only get to see each other like every four or five years, if that, and kind of have to love each other from afar. This movie, it blew me away in a lot of ways. Emotionally, cinematography, the look of the film is incredible. Ang Lee's direction, his Oscar-winning direction is incredible. Perhaps most importantly, the, the performances. Um Everybody in this is is awesome. Um, I, I love Michelle Williams. You know, she's in the Oscar race this year. I, she's one that I absolutely want to win an Oscar someday. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal. By far, though, like, like the one that really stuck out to me was um, Heath Ledger as Ennis Delmar. He is absolutely 
incredible in this movie. It's a very quiet performance a lot of the times. But no, I I love quiet performances like that that still have a lot of emotion that comes out at some point, and that's definitely one of those performances. And I really just like the setting, like Wyoming, and, and part of it is in Texas too. But the Wyoming setting is just really like it really brings in the isolation that these two characters feel um, with being in that setting because it's so wide open. There's not much out there. And especially with Del Mar, he has to kind of sit with these emotions on his own because nobody around him will understand. And he has events from his past that frighten him um, being a gay man in this situation. But I just think it's really interesting that these are two kind of very like hyper masculine men, uh, Western men, cowboys. And I, I haven't seen many, if any, movies that present a gay love story between characters like that. Um, and so I found it really fascinating in that way. Yeah. I think that's what makes Heath's performance so good is that you can see how much he's um, like almost tortured by the, the feelings that he's having. And then it's a quiet performance, but you can fully see in every scene that you can see the, the emotions, the um, reserved quality of him. And I've read the, I mean, it's a sort, sort, short uh, yeah. novel. Um, I've read that and it like, and I, read, I read it for a class. It really gives a lot of context, I think, to the character too, that Heath is able to pull it across with the performance. Yeah. I know mm -hmm. this movie does have some criticism to it as well. I like, there was a joke about it in the bros movie that came out this last year. Um, and, you know, kind of the way that things go. And it is an extremely, sad movie um both for reasons i've explained and for other reasons but it, it is extremely powerful um very emotional and i i loved it fuck yes. crash fuck crash <laughs> well um anyway i i i'll have some words for that um stay tuned i haven't seen brokeback mountain since i was in high school i don't think i need to read that's shocked that shock that hurts me I I loved it in high school. I just I don't know. It's a sad movie. Yeah, it's I'm not always in the mood to just bum myself out for the evening. Right. Um, I've yeah. also read the short story. The short story is quite good. You can find it actually. Um, because I when I read it, I just searched it up, and a New York Times version of it popped up. So oh, you can easily find it. I think that's where it was originally published. Yeah. Yeah. Um. We got the chance to see it in theaters in May, actually. Right. Um, us and one other person. <laughs> Advertising was not. And a, and a group of four oh, kids. And decided... a group of four teenagers who decided to show up. And I was like, I'm not having this. So I went to the customer service and I said, how many tickets are purchased for this film? Three. And I was like, oh, well, there's four teenagers in this movie. Can you get them out? Because this is a serious film and I don't want laughing. They were laughing. So... <clears throat> Also, um, this is super embarrassing that I forgot this. I have seen Sudden Fear. I did watch it. <laughs> I was thinking about it more. I'm like, did I really not watch Sudden Fear? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I did. I, I'm, I watched it when I was sick with the flu. Um, yeah, December 7th. I gave it four stars. Okay, but I'm also saying when you go to Treevenge on Letterboxd, your, your face does not pop up. Okay, so I, I did forget to enter that one, but I did watch it. It was it was awesome. Yeah. Like a 
like a like a like a straight movie if I've ever seen one. Overshadow the Brokeback Mountain conversation. <laughs> wow. Click on that. I want to read his review of it now so I can judge I it. Didn't see it. It's right there. There's a safe. <laughs> no, no, next okay, one. That guy with the hat. Anyway, um, before to I be read fair, that. I'm not the one who brought up sudden fear. So <laughs> Well, you said you had seen all of them, and I was like, I don't remember him telling me about this. But then again, you tend to watch movies that I'm like, oh, and you like never mention it. Oh, it was only like a See, that's ago. why we have to go through Brett's letterbox. I like then... your genuine reactions. They're I technically fun. have to go through both of your letterbox because you will like Zay, you watch Freaky Friday, and I was like, Oh. Well, I told you about company. You did, and what was my reaction? <laughs> I don't know. That you were surprised. It was like my first reaction was it's, why is the rating not higher? Oh, that's it, yeah. Anyway, so four Brokeback, star rating. Brokeback Mountain, great film, super sad. I, oh, I want to say this, and he knows this, Toby. But in the past like month, I have my full list of like best picture winners, personal to me, and I've changed it to this because of how much you think about this and how much it like profoundly moves me. But the well, again, the performances are great. The movie, so much so, finally this past year, I changed it to my personal winner of 05. So. It's just yeah. that damn great. I'm very interested to get to 2005. Sorry to keep extending it, but like, I'm very interested to get to that year because I've heard so many people have unbelievably high praise for Philip Seymour Hoffman in Capote, oh gosh, the winner, yes. which I totally believe. And I'm just like, that's a hard choose. That's a hard pick for me. But Heath is like, yeah. Exactly. So I'm looking forward to that, how that shakes out. Also, the song He Was a Friend of Mine by Willie Nelson on the Brokeback soundtrack. That shit gets me emotional just thinking about the movie and the context of that song. Mm, good shit. Good call. Not to be the devil's advocate here, but in defense of Randy Quaid. <laughs> Yes. No, that's it. I just wanted to make that joke. <laughs> he didn't know what the movie was, evidently, until he saw it. And he's like, holy shit. <laughs> that is a true story. That's a true enough fact. So, Well, you said Randy Quaid. Now believe anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to our number ones. Christian, take us away. Okay. Well, my number one, surprise, surprise, is the one I didn't want to talk about. It's the Joy Luck Club. Ah, yes. Um, I was amazed by this. I had read, so it's, I don't, I walked away for a hot second, but uh, it's based on like, obviously the book by Amy Tan, Amy Tan. And the first familiar, familiarity I had with it was in middle school when we read a snippet of it. So I've always considered this like a book of vignettes because like Toby said, it is stories about all the women in this, their lives growing up, how they came to the United States, the hardships they face and how they raised their families here. So I was always familiar with it in that way. And I think the story is the first one that you find in the book, which is like the Mahjong scene, um, which Mahjong plays a huge role in all of this and how all these women came together. But in watching this, I mean, all the performances are incredible. All these powerful stories of these women who literally 
survived very, very harsh conditions um, in China and then coming over to the United States and obviously a big cultural shock for them. Um, but no, I mean, what's already been said is I, I love this. Toby loved this. It's, it's incredible. It's an incredible movie. I need to read the book still. I have not read the book, which I am kicking myself because I had the chance to, and just with time and everything and starting this whole new position and career and everything, I just didn't have enough time to get to it, but I will this year. And again, the joy luck club, it's an incredible film. It's such a shame that it took from this in 1993 to then again in 2018. No, Yes, 2018, to have a Hollywood big movie. Um, there always were smaller films led with Asian cast, but as we know it as a bigger Hollywood film, Hollywood production. Again, this is based on like a New York Times best-selling novel to be made was such a, it's a downer to think about, but now we're starting to get these movies. We have this, we have um, Shang-Chi, we have obviously everything everywhere all at once. So we're getting there still. The farewell, duh, can't forget that one. The farewell, um, it's still progressing. We're getting there. We need to get more. I just saw today the uh promo for American Born Chinese with mm. the basically the same cast as everything everywhere all at once. So, and that's gonna be a TV show, but still it's a TV show with primarily Asian cast members. So there's that. So thanks to the Joy Luck Club. And actually, whose name is on this? Oliver Stone, weirdly enough, produced this movie, which is like, cool. Where's he at other than Russia? I don't know. So he brought this to us. But definitely a good movie. We saw it on Amazon. I don't have it listed anywhere streaming right now. I don't know if it'll be on the Goodwill shelves because I've never seen the DVD copy of this. I have not. So next time you're browsing and maybe you'll come across it on Amazon, take a walk. Because I definitely would have grabbed it. I still, I was thinking like after I saw Crazy Rich Asians, which I really liked, I read that like it was referencing the Joy Luck Club multiple times. I meant to see it. So, isn't it sad we still haven't had a sequel to Crazy Rich Asians because yeah, and there's bullshit. There's books. There's right. Yeah, they, they were planning to do it, but they didn't like. I guess contractually they didn't do things correctly and then it's just now. Yeah. Well, Christian, to your point of all the different movies um, with primarily Asian cast that have come out in recent years, it's, it's really cool because I, I know in multiple interviews, uh, Kiwi Kwan has said that crazy rich Asians is what inspired him to, to pursue acting again. And now he's sweeping award season. So it's cool. That's awesome. All right, Toby, let's hear your number one. Okay, so my number one is something that is from 2021 that we did not get a chance to catch in the year of 2021. Um, So I didn't get to talk about this either in the top 10 thing. I'm going to include it just because you've talked about it, Brett, when we did. And it's something that you, um, I wasn't expecting to like, but anyway, it's the worst person in the world. That is my number one new discovery of last year um, and my number one of 2021. So if I had gotten to watch it, um, but uh, this, this, we saw it in theaters in February and it was just like, I don't even know how to describe it. The way that the story progresses with the chapters, um, you really like Julie is this like 
Julie, right? Mm -hmm. Julie is this imperfect character. You see her life unfold. It's messy, but it keeps going. Her life keeps going. And it's just like this, she's, this performance is just like perfectly, it's like she's like this perfectly imperfect person. And it's, it's the way that the, it's able to be captured on film that um, is so unique. And there's this part in the movie, and you probably know what I'm talking about, that like completely like broke me in the theater with um, Anders. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not good at these names, but um, Anders, how do you say Danielson this? Lee or Lie? I'm not yeah, sure. Danielson how. Lee um, with his character, like movies can make me emotional, but that that those scenes were just like completely like com the way that the, he portrays that character it just it like completely and i think it's one of it's their final scene together too that i think won me over which yes. i mean the whole movie itself is good but it's like that scene where it's like whoa yeah. okay and like ahead. i was i was like slowly liking it as it went on and then you get to the scene where she's running through the frozen crowd which is the poster that um really it my love for it started to ramp up because of what that symbolizes in the movie um that scene the when she's running through the frozen crowd. Um, it's just an, an awesome movie, just a totally original character, totally original um, idea. Love the way it's structured. Yeah. I would say, and I don't know if I've told either of you to this, Brett or Toby, but I'm glad that we had the chance to see it in theaters Yes. Um, I because I normally get screeners for these things and I mm -hmm. never ended up getting one for this, which is why it never appeared on our episode of top 10. So we had to wait until February here in Kansas to get this and to see it. And we saw it in theaters. And I love that because we were so focused on it. There was mm -hmm. not our phones in front of our faces. It's like, how would it have been different if we would have just sat here on the couch to watch it? Similar with like Parasite. How would that have been different if I was on my couch watching Parasite versus you, me, and Haley going to the theater to see that and being with that crowd and being shocked? Toby saw Parasite by himself. I saw it by in myself. that theater, but still had a damn good time. Yeah. Him and I saw the worst person in the world. It was in a pretty. I was packed. I remember that because it was in a smaller theater at AMC, mm. but still we're sitting there like totally engrossed with this. So I can understand why it's his favorite and one of my favorites. It's like, yeah, this is a damn good movie. And Brett, you were so happy that I liked it too because you were. Oh, worried. I was. Yeah, I, I remember when the two of you saw it, and yeah, Chris texted me and said that you both loved it. It was like a five star movie, and yeah, it made me so happy because I, I love it. A year removed from over a year removed from seeing it, you know, and whatnot. It's I love it just as much. Three years into the 2020s, it's my favorite movie of the decade so far. And honestly, it's not really a contest. Um, I I adore that movie. I think it's going to age superbly, too. Yes, definitely. Well, I hate it. No. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I really liked it. I don't think I like it quite as the same level as y'all. But yeah, I really like it. Um, Which is surprising I, because it is, a, it is a look at life. <laughs> what? <laughs> What does that mean? Would you like to know? Um, I also saw it in the theater. It did not come here in Indiana until February either, but it was a really good 
good time. Um, did y'all know that that Lee guy, he's like a fucking doctor? Yes. And he just yeah. acts when he's like not doctor. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. Also, him and Renata Reinsvey, uh, the lead actress, they're going to be in another movie together, like a zombie movie coming out next year, oh, I think. That's right. So, yes. Yeah. Looking forward oh, to that. Good shit. All right, Zay, let's hear your number one. My number one. So fuck you, Brett, because my number one beat your number two at the Oscars. Um, my number one is Crash from 2004. Um, it's a very timely um, movie. I think its political ramifications to this day are very loud and very poignant. And I've never been so emotional. Like, Paul Haggis, he oh. is one of the greatest <laughs> filmmakers of our time, you know? And how about that Sandra Bullock, though? Sandra Bullock, Dom Cheadle, Matt Dillon, Jennifer Esposito, Brendan Fraser, Terrence Howard, uh, Ludacris. Come on. Man- Fandaway Newton. Exactly. That's a cast. Ryan Philippine. Ryan Philippine. Everyone shits on this movie. And I think it's great. I think it's more satirical than people <laughs> are giving it credit for. Like, I think it's a hilarious movie. <laughs> My personal favorite part is the crash sequence for the cars. <laughs> <laughs> laughing my butt off <laughs> um actually i am impressed with how long you kept that going right. that mm-hmm. is very christian well done. inspired it so thank you christian you're welcome because i forget well i would have r- thought of it once brett mentioned broke back lost a crash but i completely forgot um, this is this was the plan executed very very well. So oh my, my actual number one is Crash from 1996, directed by David Cronenberg. Is it really? Yes. Oh, I thought that's what you're gonna say. Nice. <laughs> um. So it's one of those movies where, in the back of my mind, I'm just like, yeah, I'm gonna love the hell out of that movie. I'm gonna love that movie. Every time I saw it on my watch list, I'm like, I'm gonna love that movie. But I didn't watch it until this year for some reason. Um, just that David Cronenberg being one of my favorite filmmakers. And I mean, it's a movie about people whose sexual awakening happens during a car crash. And they're just, they're crashing cars just so they can fuck. Um, it's very relatable. <laughs> Oh my god. See, have you seen the action I'm doing here with this? Uh-huh. This is, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you like Cronenberg films, though. I mean, it's just, you like some of them, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's like, I don't know. I don't know. You just have to watch it. It's, it's one of those things where, I don't know, where I was like, I know I'm going to love this. And then I obviously did. Um, acting is great. James Spader, Holly Hunter. Um, the whole time thinking I was like James Wood because <laughs> of fucking 
uh, what's that movie? He was in Videodrome, right? Videodrome. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, he's back. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's James Spader. I can feel okay about like thinking he's attractive. Um, he's kind of hot in the movie. I don't know. Maybe I should just start crashing cars. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just a. I don't know. I just feel like I don't even want to give the plot of anything because I went in blind and the whole time I'm like, oh, oh, oh. I'm intrigued so far. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just <laughs> just kidding. a very Cronenbergian like our relationship with our technology and our relationship with each other. <laughs> um, and yeah. Cool. Now I just want to go watch Crash. So, well, I, I've not seen this, obviously, but my relationship to this is I would, when IFC actually used to, IFC Channel used to actually show movies and not reruns of Two and a Half Men. Uh, <laughs> this would always be on there. And I was always like, ooh, it's that crash, the one that beat the, the gay cowboy movie. And then it said that the description of like, people have sex after watching car crashes. And I thought, I don't think that's it. I don't think I'm allowed to watch this. Well, that's it. Oh, this is a good detail. In a 2020 interview, Cronenberg stated that he believed Francis Ford Coppola, the jury president at the 1996 uh, Cannes Film Festival, was so vehemently opposed to Crash that other jury members in favor of the film banded together to present Cronenberg with a rare special jury prize. Hmm. And then uh, Coppola refused to give that award <laughs> to Cronenberg. Isn't that nice? That's my Cronenberg, uh, my number one with a movie that Francis Ford Coppola hated, and he was my number five. Oh, yep. So I haven't seen this crash. So fuck crash, but not <laughs> this crash. Um, well, I <laughs> we'll see. I am doing a Criterion challenge this year, and one of the first ones I have is The Brood. So my question for you is, should I replace The Brood with Crash? Watch The Brood. Watch both. I mean, I like Crash I like a lot more brood. than The Brood, but The Brood is also good. Okay. You can just assign me Crash at some point. Then. What's the one where everybody turns into, like, a sex zombie? Um, doesn't that That's, happen? Uh, yeah, yeah. I like that one. Maybe I do like Cronenberg. <laughs> Prime for the future, no. But oh no, baby, we don't like that. Movie. Video dome. <laughs> I don't know. Fly is my favorite, and then I also really love um, Dead Rainers. I don't remember that one enough. I don't like Dead Zone though. Oh, I didn't care for Dead Zone. Anyway, here we go. Drum roll. <laughs> oh God. Better be good. All right, so my okay, this is interesting. I'm just now thinking about this. Uh, my number one was an honorable mention from a podcast episode that we've recorded. Probably won't be out. It won't be out by the time you hear this, though. So this will be the first time listeners have heard me talk about it. It's from 1967, and the film is Les Samurai. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um so so this is a a french film uh the director is jean-pierre melville um it stars alan dulan in the lead role and he plays a hitman 
who is very methodical, always does everything to a T, always has an alibi, has never made a mistake. But in his most recent hit, he is seen uh, by multiple people, and in particular, a nightclub pianist. And so he comes under suspicion from the police. He originally gets cleared, but the police commissioner knows, like, oh, th this is the guy. This is our guy. So the film is him trying to evade the police so he's not arrested, not uncovered, while also having to deal with the people who hire him because they're obviously upset that he's under suspicion from the police. Sounds like your typical Hitman movie, and it certainly is, um, but it's a lot more... It's not action-packed. It's a lot more methodical, not just in the way that the lead character acts, but in the way that it's directed. Um a lot of the details are not necessarily present in the dialogue or in the action, but in things behind the scenes. Um, Delon does not have a ton of dialogue in the movie. Um, it's a very stoic performance, but it's like the best kind of stoic performance because you know he's just honing in on this character and presenting him the way that he's meant to be presented. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a Brett movie. I just kind of fell in love with it i was enthralled i think it's only like an hour and a half long or hour and 40 minutes but the whole time i was glued not just because i was wondering is he going to get caught but like what's he going to do next what are what are these characters he's developing these relationships with these different characters and i'm just wondering where is it going to go um the ending is pretty marvelous um in the way it comes about and it really kind of connects back to the title but at the same time, I found it, without completely spoiling it the way it ends, I found it to be a little bit more hopeful of an ending than I anticipated because it is kind of, not necessarily, not necessarily a dark film, but not overly emotional, not very hopeful until we start to wonder, was this cold killer capable of love? Um, and it was really profound for me. Yeah, loved it. I, The Criterion sale started pretty soon after i saw it so i it was instantly one i bought and i also bought um ghost dog way of the samurai from jim jarmusch because i heard that was inspired by it so i love it so much that i'm i'm wanting to check out other movies that came after that list it as inspiration so definitely recommend it uh lay samurai i actually it's part of my top discoveries of 2020 it's a very long list but I really like that movie. I love the aesthetic of it. Yeah. I I have not seen it yet. Um, you haven't seen it either. No, I haven't. I'm not. <laughs> nope. So, I'm not. When did you see it? <laughs> I think you might like it. I think it's worth checking out. But... I think I think you would. I want to see it because just from Brett's talking about it in the 67 episode it sounded good and i was very close to seeing it actually and i just ran out of time absolutely very absolutely. nice well we've done it we did it <laughs> we did it our top five movie discoveries of the year obviously as christian said early on this was a very hard list to pin down um, that's not many slots so if you have any honorable mentions now is the time christian any that you want to go over yeah, um, my number one is the Will Smith Get Get My Wife Name Out Your Mouth video, which I rewatched over and over again. Uh, no, um, let's see. Um, the Kid was one. I had seen it years and years and years and years, but I still counted it as new. Uh, one called Leave Her to Heaven, 
which is with Jean Tierney. And it's from 1945. And the Criterion Collection version of it, the cover is just like her with the sunglasses. I really liked it. One called Lured, which was more of a dramedy with Lucille Ball that I very much enjoyed. Um, I actually have Videodrome on here. I thought it was weird as hell, but still kind of enjoyed it. Um, the one Toby's laughing at me about over here is Harry and the Hendersons. Leave me alone. That was fun. <laughs> no, I enjoyed it. Did, did you know there's a TV yeah. show about it? Oh my god! What, and think. it was like a hit TV. There's like eighty something episodes. What the hell were they doing that whole time? Oh That's, <laughs> that is, yeah. Um, another movie called This Boy's Life, directed by De Niro and starring child actor Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo is great in that. I, if anything, the bones just cracked. Oh my god. I'm so sorry. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, a movie that was hard to find for a lot of people, and now it's like streaming. I still think it is called Down with Love with Renee Zellweger and Ewan McGregor. The aesthetic of it is like my jam. If you like movies from like the 50s, like the workplace type comedies of New York City, the Rock Hudson, Doris Day movies, boom, it's for you. Um, ba 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 ba. That's it. Oh, um, ah, shit. That one. You can say that one. Also, what's the, the Korean one that I made Brett watch? The Scary Haunted um, House movie. Uh, Haunted Asylum. I, I... Haunted Asylum. Gonjium? Gonjium? The yes. Haunted Asylum. Great movie. Toby and I had a, a month-long, almost like found footage marathon that kicked off with one that he's going to take it away with, and then it just went from there. Did you tell me about this one? I think so. It's scary. It's it's on Shutter too, and it's really good. Okay, yes. well, I'm adding it to my watch list now. Do it. Yeah. But anyway, so our found footage thing started off with. Okay, so my first honorable mention is the McPherson tape. I mean, it was just like, yeah, it's on Shutter. It was really good. Um, a nice found footage if you're looking for one. So it's one of our favorite genres. So in knowing that Zay, that you saw Skinnamarink, um, just yesterday, right? With yeah. that whole, and I I know what Skin and Marink is about. I know how it's filmed, where you don't really see too much, right? And it's very grainy and everything. That mm -hmm. is kind of what the McPherson tapes is. So again, footage, super super like I can't see the shit that's going on, but I'm still freaked the fuck out. Yeah, like families at a cabin, and they're like something creepy happens happens outside, and there's a lot of um, darkness going on, and yeah, a lot it's, of screaming, and it is terrifying. All right, so a few more honorable mentions. Um, another, like, kind of ridiculous rom-com, Just Like Heaven from 2005 with Reese Witherspoon. She, like, is in a coma, but she, the guy who lives, rents her house, can see her, and they, like, talk. They can He can only see her. Um, it was just really fun. Um, I have The Little Mermaid, Ariel's Beginning, just because it was so fun. And, like, who expected a... A sequel to a Disney movie to be that fun. It's a prequel. It's a prequel. Okay. Wait, is that the that's the third one? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I never saw that one. I liked the second one when I was a kid. Yeah, with her daughter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes, we saw that one too. Um, I have Belle from 2021. It's like this um uh oh, yeah. version of Beauty and the Beast, which obviously Beauty and the Beast is my favorite movie. And there's like a couple scenes in there that like I love, obviously, because Beauty and the Beast. Another movie that I mean, I'm glad to saw in theaters. Yes. Mm -hmm. At least uh, two or three of those songs end up on my Spotify Top 100 of the year. Mm, nice. Bops. Yes. And then two more. I have The Faculty. Um, I thought that was fun just because we've been teachers. And um, 
seeing teachers become aliens is fun. And then the last one. Seeing teachers becoming aliens is fun. It is. Yes. <laughs> they have to be on the poster. <laughs> the last Sounds one fun I to me. Yes. The last one I want to mention is Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. Um, I've been wanting to watch it for a while. And it was um, just uh, really funny. Why didn't you come to my screening? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Couldn't we missed the plane? There <laughs> <laughs> um, you go. That's all. Oh, wait. I want to say one more. One that surprised the hell out of both of us. The Tomorrow War with Chris. Oh, yeah. From oh, last yes. year. We were, I was like, <laughs> I just want to watch this. It's gotten such bad reviews. We watched it. I thought to myself, this is a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> um, this is a film. This is not a movie. This is a film. Like, I was so, the unex, oh, my, Brett. Mm. Zay, ooh. <laughs> Listen, you told me this, and I was like, I'll let you just have that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I'm like, I I I love this, I think. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Um okay. I'll I'll go to my my honorable mentions now. Um uh did a few more David Lynch movies I haven't seen before. I watched Lost Highway, very good. Um, in a year with thirteen moons, I, is my new favorite Rainer Werner Fassbender film. Uh, the trans stuff was a little questionable, but the rest of the movie really makes it up for me. Um, uh, the Jane Campion film and the Cut. A lot of people did not like that movie, but I really like it. Meg Ryan. Um, is it Meg I Ryan? Watched... In the... Yes, mm-hmm. she's really good. Um, Synecdoche, New York. The Charlie Ooh. Kaufman film. I really like that. Um, and a movie I told Christian to watch with, uh, I think Toby watched it too. Obviously, yes, it's showing up right here. Uh, Murder, he says. Really good 1945 movie. Really funny. Really like uh, in the gallows humor that I liked a lot. Um, like if you like Arsenic and Old Lace, that's a movie you'd really like. It's super and enjoyable. Blood Sisters, a documentary about lesbians and Kinky sex, um, waiting to exhale. Mm, good, good shit. Uh, the ice storm, also really good. And Celia, an Australian movie. It was on Shutter, so I thought it was a war movie, but it's more just just a drama about this kid who has a rabbit in the time where Australia was like, "We're banning pet rabbits," and it's just really emotional. Oh, but it's so good. Cool, Celia. That's it. All right. Well, I spent oh, way boy. too much. I spent way too much time on this list. So I, yeah. Um, I forgot to mention this, but one of my criteria, this same thing I did last year. If if we discuss the movie in depth on the podcast, I decided to leave it off just because people get, they can go back and listen to my thoughts on those episodes. Um, but there were two in particular that probably would have made my list. One for sure, and that is of course Moonstruck. Um, obviously Moonstruck. You know, Love that movie. It, it would have definitely at least been in my top three. Um, all oh, that jazz. No. I didn't even think about that. About that you had seen Moonstruck for like the first time last year. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Cool. All that jazz. I actually watched for our musical countdown episode. Love that movie. Um, Raising Arizona. Au revoir, Les Enfants. A lot of 1987 picks I loved. 
Um, and then two Hitchcock films, Dial M for Murder and Strangers on a Train. Um, both easy five-star movies for me. Um, the other ones I wanted to highlight were movies that I gave, you know, I really enjoyed that never came up on the podcast whatsoever, even as honorable mentions. Um, so Little Children, um, Todd oh, Field, oh I, I watched it either right before or right after Tar. And I, I'm a Todd Field guy. I, I just think it's excellent. Um, the yeah, Truman okay, Show. So I like I like mm. Little Children a lot. And I like the yeah. in the bedroom. It's just, oh, you bedroom. know. Oh, yeah. It's not a car head. Um, one of, I think either Christian or Toby assigned me this one. Uh, the Truman Show. Love Jim Perry. Great hey, stuff. Good. Um, a scanner darkly. Um, I said many times Linklater is my favorite director. That was one of his I hadn't seen. Uh, really, really good, interesting animated film. Uh, Best in Show, another one that was assigned. Yes, hilarious. Um, this is probably the one that's most surprising to me. The Bridges of Madison County. <laughs> um, good shit. Amazing yes. movie. That's on. It, it honestly might be my favorite Clint Eastwood performance, and obviously Meryl's great in it as well did you um, watch it or did you just watch it it was just me just me Haley, but really you need to watch it yes that that is a great a great movie for the two of us to watch um a movie called lone wolf and cubs sort of vengeance um it's a samurai movie i stumbled upon these because criterion has a really beautiful box set of it and this is the first one and it was awesome and last how but not least there? how many are there in that i think like seven there's quite a few um, they were all like 70s and early 80s, I think. I like the Bob's Burgers episode. That's yes. by this film. Yes. Think of. Uh, and last but not least, one that Christian actually mentioned earlier is Wild Strawberries. I watched that for the first time this year, and it was outstanding. So I wrote that's my, what I've got. That one class we had together, International Cinema, I wrote my paper over that. Yes, that's right. I remember you mentioned that. It's It's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, this was great. Fun as always. Um, Zay actually broke a record. You know, last year I hadn't seen all five of your movies. This year it was six. So, um, <laughs> so, but yeah, absolutely. Check those out. Yeah. Yeah. Much appreciated. No. Um, you, you had something else on your little outline you gave us. Did I? Yeah. You said, tell how many movies you watched last year. Oh, we can't do that. Oh, I I honestly I completely forgot about that. Do you want to share? Sure. Okay, go ahead. I have my list in front of me. I watched 720. I watched 704, I think. I did not watch that many. Um uh, so... mine's not later. <laughs> there's, the, there's the fun video going around Twitter right now where it's like people who watched more than 200 movies, and it's Whoopi Goldberg saying, You get a damn job. <laughs> and it's like um i have one ma'am yeah mine's um hmm. i don't want to say it out loud i want to feel like a freak okay but at the same <laughs> time at the same time we only count feature films so that's that's true y'all don't you yeah, don't log your yeah. shorts i log my shorts so with shorts Makes included a it's a thousand twelve yeah so I'm at 3:23 without shorts. I, I actually watched quite a few shorts this year, probably about 50 or so, not as much as you. But um, I watched a lot of Looney Tunes. 
So yeah, but just to point out, that's that's how many movies we're working with, and we had to pick a top five. So that's how much we love these, and definitely recommend that anybody listening check them out if you haven't seen them. So anybody, uh, final thoughts? All right, that's it. Just it gonna was keep watching movies. Yeah, and we'll be back. We still have our top ten of twenty twenty two to do, um, and so be on the lookout for that. That'll be up soon as well, and be sure to tune in then. Bye. 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 Bye.